Hi, and welcome to the Equally Yoked podcast. I'm Lisa. I'm Janice, and we believe a life fully aligned is a life fully fulfilled. In today's episode, we cover the topic of personal alignment, where our guest speaker shares how slow and incremental progress leads to exponential growth and the importance of failing fast in order to constantly improve oneself and the need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, as that's where true growth happens. Good evening, Justin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We're so honored to have you on the show. Thanks again for making time for it. Yeah, thank you for having me. For sure. So uh, we're going to introduce you real briefly to our listeners so they get a little behind the scenes on who you are and what you do. Um, So real quick uh, background on our Special guest this evening, Justin Padinsky is the head of partnerships and fundraising at the Alchemist Accelerator and the dean of the awesome foundation, STEAM Chapter. So Alchemist is a venture-backed accelerator focused on advancing the development of seed stage ventures that monetize from enterprises. It is backed by many of the top corporate and VC funds in the Valley and in Europe, and the Accelerator seeds 75 ventures per year. And the Awesome Foundation is a global community advancing the interests of awesome in the universe, $1,000 at a time. Each fully uh, autonomous chapter supports awesome projects through micro grants, which are given out monthly. And the micro grants of $1,000 or the local equivalent come out of the pockets of the chapter's trustees and are given on a no strings attached basis to the people and groups working on awesome projects. Justin graduated from Alvernia University, which is located in Reading, Pennsylvania, with a focus on biology, physics, and philosophy. He spent his last year untangling the genetic mysteries from the world's oldest humans, super centenarians, or people who live to be 110 years or older. After college, he started his career working for an enterprise startup called Bonfire as one of the first non-engineering hires. And outside of work, he spends his time rock climbing, trail running, and doing anything that makes his mom concerned. So Justin, you have obviously a a broad array of skill sets and experiences. And you previously lived in Nevada I think uh, this past year and recently moved to Puerto Rico. So tell us a little bit about that recent move and the motivation behind it. So I was into blockchain and crypto tech since 2016. And I didn't realize Puerto Rico was so friendly on how they they treat cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And then tagging on that they had a uh, tropical climate. Um, You don't need a passport to come here. I have a passport, but it's, it's like moving to another state. And all of my hobbies were here too. So it was just like, wow, my professional desires, you know, my hobbies are here. Um, it's a way better transit place or a terminal instead of, in, instead of Hawaii. So it just sort of had all these little things that I'm like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. I didn't really put too much thought into it. It was really made, the decision was made within a week. And then I bought my plane ticket and got rid of everything I owned again. I've done that a few times in my life, fit everything into a suitcase and just rented an Airbnb for a month here and then decided to turned it into a lease and, and now I'm here. So it was quite the, quite the year of 2020. 
Wow. That's really cool though, that you just picked up and, and left and you're, you're very mobile and free spirited just to, to try things like that and, and to pivot when things don't go well, you just keep, keep moving on and progressing. So that's really cool. Well, when and- you've done it, I should just say, when you've done it enough, you start to realize that like every time I move, I have the same fears and anxieties, but I just always reflect back to them like, well, last time you said that and your life ended up better. So you're probably wrong again. So you should do this. So tell us a little bit more about the Awesome Foundation, because that was a new, very new concept for me. And you're a young professional, probably not the wealthiest person your age, yet you started a chapter of the Awesome Foundation, which requires, I think, you and then nine other people to give $100 a month. Is that right? And then you would essentially have $1,000 to donate to the, the, the project that you love each month. Um, this reminds me of something a wealthy retired person would do, you know, giving back to the community. What possessed you to jump in and invest in this? So, yeah, there's a lot there. So I first learned about it when I had an internship at uh, George Washington University in D.C., and uh, my girlfriend and I at the time were working on a project and we, we learned about the Awesome Foundation. We applied and um, we got feedback that we, that we got really close to winning. We lost to a project. I don't remember if it was called Bamboo Bicycles. There's actually a company called that. But the, there was a bunch of companies at the time trying to figure out how could you make bicycles out of bamboo so that these rural towns and random parts around the world could actually, who didn't have transportation, how could they make some sort of tran- transportation out of things they could find in their backyard? And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like they were definitely a better winner than us. But all it took for them to build these prototypes was bamboo and they could afford all of it with $1,000. And that was like insanely eye-opening to me. So I was like, wow this person is doing something more impactful with $1,000 than I've seen people do with hundreds of thousands. When I moved to Hawaii, I finally was like, okay, I don't, I didn't really make much more money, but I was, I decided to just think about it logically. Like what is a hundred dollars and how easy is it to go, you know, to do that? Cause I knew friends who made two to three times more than me and somehow still said, I couldn't give a hundred away. And I'm like, that's, that's just not right. There's a, there's a budgeting problem here. So I just started to work it into my budget. I joined the Oahu chapter and they, they focused on projects within the, the Oahu Island and just made it a point to, to do that. And honestly, when you really break it down, you're talking about a couple, you know, a couple few, fewer purchases, maybe going out to dinner three or three to five times less a month, um, maybe not drinking as much, you know, 10 cocktails is, is, you know, 150 to 200 bucks. Like, and these were things that I'm like, wow, I can actually get rid of habits too and find ways to put this money in. And the real eye-opener for me was when I lost my job and I had about three months of money um, in Hawaii and uh, I still found a way to, to budget for the Awesome Foundation. I was like, I'm going to keep doing this because it's, it's, but when you really reflect on it, you're like, this money is going to really, really good places. And, and because I was moving around so much and I really embraced the whole nomadic lifestyle, I wanted to start my own chapter and I had a handful of people willing to help me. And it's, it's 10 trustees give a hundred a month. Just like you said, it's all self-funded. It's not even a donation. We literally will give the, we send the money through PayPal. It's a no strings attached grant. And there's chapters all over the world that do this as well. And it's just a wonderful group of self-autonomous chapters that do this. And everyone has a little bit of a structure, but that's our structure. And it's just been, we funded every, we funded uh, projects in Ecuador. We funded projects in Malaysia. We funded projects all over. What does it feel like when you're out of alignment versus how it feels when you're in alignment? 
when I'm out of alignment, I know it. And I, it comes in various parts of the day. I feel like I'm out of alignment every morning. I'm not a morning person. So I just try to make sure that like, I don't just wake up and out of bed and go to the beach and go surfing. I, I could never be that person. I still start my day with some coffee. I try to do a couple quick things on my computer that I know are going to really irk me if I don't do them right then and there. And they'll just be on my mind if I don't. Um, right now I'm trying to learn Spanish. So I just hop right into Duolingo. I get 15 to 20 minutes out. I really focus because I know I don't want to do it, but I know I feel great after. So that's really cool. And then I try to pick some sort of, I mean, sometimes I have to work on and do a whole day like that, but I will just try to do some, some sort of activity, but I can feel this sort of racing in my mind. Things are bouncing all over the place. Sometimes I even get like I'm not sweating, but I feel like tingling or feel like you're sweating. Like it's very strange. Um, so you can get your body is just like, I am not ready to sit down and focus on something that doesn't bring me a lot of joy yet. Mm -hmm. um, so you just have to figure out how to get into the, the sort of personal alignment. And the best trick I have for me is, is doing something that's just physically challenging. And some days I take rest days. So I just go for a really long walk with a podcast. And there's obviously there's a difference in your performance, would you say, just like maybe at work and your relationships? Do you, you know, how do you show up differently when you're in alignment? You know, I would say I show up very curious and I know if I'm not in alignment, probably if I'm not being curious about something, if I'm feeling very like stubborn on a topic or I'm like, okay, today is just not, you shouldn't go to a friend hangout today unless you can snap out of this. If you can't mm -hmm. snap out of it, just tell them, hey, it's just not not my my day and I'm gonna relax and kind of, you know, do whatever I need to do to just make the best of that bad situation. Because there are there are days that either it's impossible or I haven't figured out the secret sauce, but you can recognize it, but you don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. Um, definitely be careful on those days because those are like the worst days because your mind can go to really, really terrible places. Yeah. Um, I do think there's some benefits sometimes to hitting those places, but you have to hit them in a, in a safe, in a safe spot. And everyone has, you know, a different level of, of safety. So um, yeah, you can, you, I feel it when I'm out of alignment and when I'm in alignment, I'm curious. I can feel it in my brain that I want to be present in the moment that I'm in. Um, and it's the reverse when, uh, when I'm out. So when it comes to personal alignment, you kind of um, touched on this, Justin, but our state of mind and our thought process is so important. And Janice and I learned in a deeper way during the pandemic how powerful the mind truly is. It does feast on what it focuses on and your thoughts can become self-fulfilling prophecies. If you have a negative mindset about something, you'll probably have a negative outcome. Even uh, with, with Janice and I coming from a Christian background, the, the Bible speaks on this. And I think it's in Romans where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind um, and to, in a sense, protect your mind um, from kind of the darkness and the evil that's surrounding you in the world. So yeah, just curious if you have, how you have experienced that in your, in your own journey, kind of the power of your own thoughts. I'm so excited to talk about free diving because I'm actively learning. And this is probably the closest I've ever come to my mind in dealing with some of these um, just mechanisms inside my brain that I've kind of just gotten rid of or I've avoided. Um, but uh, free diving is just essentially diving on your own brain. There's a whole, there's a whole hobby around it. There's, there's certifications, there's a whole sport to this. And generally people are going for, uh, they're trying to dive as long as they can on their own, on their own air. Um, for me, I am actually just learning because I want to dive for lobster and make that a more enjoyable experience and also swim with some cool things. And um, so I, I sort of leaned on free diving and what they could teach me to, to sort and I've been actively pursuing this and 
And the thing that's crazy about it is the more I try to control my mind when I free dive, the, the worse my breath gets or the worse my breath hold gets. And what happens is um, when you're actually holding your breath, um, you obviously have this intense desire to breathe. And I send, when I focus on that, or when I focus on trying to get a certain time on my watch and how long I can hold my breath, that's when the anxiety, that's when all these, that's when my mind, I start to feel out of control or out of alignment and I have to focus on something. So one of the tricks I used to get the furthest was so silly. I just imagined a chessboard and I was playing a, a, not even a game of chess. I was just literally moving an image of a, of a chess piece in my head. And I got to about two minutes or uh, two minutes and 30 seconds before I started to have the real sensation and urge to breathe. Most people could get much longer. If you, everybody in this world could, if they just held their breath and really fought the contractions of wanting to breathe, um, you could get pretty far, but that's obviously extremely dangerous when you're diving because you can black out. Um, so that's pretty bad. So my goal is how do I get the longest time with the most control over my mind and really feeling safe and relaxed. And I finally got to this point where I was like, okay, if I just kind of let go give myself something to focus on that's really minute and kind of just trust my body to take over. It, it, it's surprising and very strange how good your body is if you just trust. So that's been interesting for me because I've just been coming face to face with the topics that you're talking about. It teaches you a lot about life. Exercise. It's how much you push yourself mentally. I mean, you're basically the one that controls how much you think you can do. Your body can go a lot further if your mind will let it. I think that's something I read somewhere, but like, <laughs> It, it kind of starts in your head and then your body will will do things that you didn't know it could do. Sorry, I just wanted to say too, like what you, how you just described the technique for that. That is so powerful when you do compare that to life as humans. I think it's human nature for us to want control and we always want to know the outcome and we kind of want to, you know, we want to control the process, but it requires you really, like you said, it teaches, it teaches you in a sense that discipline or that idea of really completely letting go and just letting life unfold and looking at you and your life, Justin, I mean, that's how you ended up in Puerto Rico now, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly right. Yeah. So that, that was powerful. Thank you. I loved how you described that. You mentioned a little while ago about overthinking or paralysis analysis, which is totally me. And it wasn't until this, actually this January of 2021, where I finally, through various experiences and I think COVID, came to this realization that I just need to kind of let go and stop overthinking and to just do it. Like Nike's slogan, just do it. So that became my motto for this year. I said, Janice, this is the year where I'm going to just say yes to some things and I'm going to go uh, out on a limb on some decisions. How are you able to avoid overthinking or how do you get out of that process, that paralysis analysis? And then how have you become more decisive? A lot of, there's probably a thousand moments. There's a, there's a couple big ones I can remember that really impacted me. There was a uh, one person in particular, I met a lot of great people at my, my first job uh, at Bonfire. It didn't end so well, but I, I just cherish those really, so many people that have taught me just amazing things. And I, I still have really great friends there today. And I remember this one employee, his name was Matt. And I hope one day I, I get to share this with him. He, he was one of our top engineers and he just had this insane ability to bounce between really hard engineering, project management problems, inner you know, managerial problems. And he always just brought a very, I wouldn't call him a necessarily a calm person, but every time I worked with him, he always just asked me a lot of questions. They were very good questions. He clearly put time into them. And then he, he listened and he would just slow, he would really focus on that particular problem and then he would solve it and then he could jump to another. And again, he would just keep re-employing re the same 
same, same pro, uh, sort of flow of like, okay, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. I'm going to digest it. I'm going to relax. And then I'm going to respond. And it was, it was like, it sounds so simple, but his ability to work on things way above things that I think I'll ever be able to work on. I'm like, okay, if he can do all of that, I mean, clearly there's a, there's a talent here. This is not rocket. There's something he's doing that I'm not. And so you have to just be honest and be like, am I bad at this? And I think I just was bad at it. And I was like, I'm, I need to get better. And then who, who around me is good at this and then mimic what they do. So I mimicked him a lot. I channeled his energy a lot. He doesn't know that to this day, but uh, I'll tell him one day. Um, but I channeled that sort of energy. And then I, I kept sort of improving upon that. When you meet other people, you, you pick up their strengths. The other thing is um, there's two tactics for me that I've used. One is like reverse idols. I don't even know if that's a term. But um, finding people who you, you necessarily don't respect and, and, and not necessarily don't like, but you don't like the way they do things. And you go, why, why don't I like that? And it's like, okay, I, how do I improve upon the things that I don't like? And how do I not become that person? So that's, it, it's a strange way to think, but it's really helped me. Um, and then the other one, um, it's kind of escaped from my mind, but it's sort of a, a riff off of what I've just said. Um, it's just kind of taking a sober look at yourself. Um, and really just reflecting and going, okay, what am I, uh, you know, what, what is, what is actually causing me to overthink this? You know, what's actually on my brain that's making me go that way. And then how can I knock that off my plate really quick so I can come back to focus. And if I can't knock that out, is there any chance that this project or this task gets done today? And does it need to get done today? And a lot of the times um, it doesn't, <laughs> that's what I always find is that I make, I'm setting a deadline that no one else has set. And that makes you overthink things. It makes you it comes up with all sorts of problems. To follow up on that, I think you had mentioned you now are taking more and more projects on at work than you ever have before, but you're not burning yourself out. So I think that's related to what you were just saying in terms of um, being very reflective and in the moment catching yourself when you're overthinking about something and trying to decide like where is this coming from and maybe just stepping away, taking a moment to do something else and coming back to your to your desk. Um, but what mind, sh like, do you have a mindset shift to get to the point where you're, you're doing a lot more, but you're not burning yourself out? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is you figure out what, like, or at least I had to figure out what was I scared of if I lost my job? Was it the, was it this, the, you know, or, and I'm just saying that because, you know, your life is so much around your income. And for me, a lot of the fear of moving all of these places is that I will, you know, at the time, a couple of years ago, I was, I was essentially living paycheck to paycheck with this lifestyle. And eventually I had to at this point where I'm like, the reason I'm so panicked all the time and overthinking things is because I, I just don't feel safe in the lifestyle I was living. I liked the lifestyle, but I needed to, I needed to secure some income where I could feel confident that if I didn't like what I was doing at work, um, or if I needed to go pursue something else or reflect or take three months off, that that was a financially safe decision to make. So one of my big priorities initially after I got my job at Alchemist was I was going to save six months of, of livable wages, put that into an account that I'm not going to touch so that no matter what happens, even without you know, unemployment or, or anything else, I can live comfortably for six months. So that was my goal. So I just started rapidly saving to that. And then once I had that safety net, oh my gosh, so much stress went off my shoulders. Suddenly I felt no one, nothing changed at work. It was just the reality that I felt like I could finally speak up for myself because I had no fear of being like, well, we're going to go this way. If you want to move that way in your career, we, we don't have room for you. And nobody at my job was, was, was ever going to say that, but it was still in my head that I couldn't, I didn't have that safety. So just, just having that safety net made me completely, that was a big change in my whole outlook. 
you know, a lot of times we do feel pressure to conform to society, or we may feel misunderstood by other people who don't understand our vision for our lives. They don't understand our passions or they don't, they may not even care, you know, and this could be our close friends our co and our family members, but I wanted to know, you kind of already answered it, you know, how you, how you've experienced that. And when it comes to being authentic and staying true to yourself, how do you keep yourself aligned? I've always had a, a weird, so when I moved to St. Louis, uh, I had just under $300 and I, I had no job lined up out there. I had a friend, um, uh, Lisa knows him, Alex. Uh, I was gonna, he was gonna drive me out to um, St. Louis with another friend. And uh, you know, that, that cost uh, you know, 20, 20 to $60 in gas, you know, split between us, like it wasn't that much. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't have a job. And I remember my mom and a few of my friends being like, oh, that's really risky or like, don't do that. And I'm like, the worst case scenario is I don't get a job and I take a train back. Like it's not, there's really no risk here. Like you, mm -hmm. I'm coming back to a middle-class household. Like this is not, there's no risk here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a little bit of a headache, but mm -hmm. so is staying in Pennsylvania and feeling like you're missing out on, on, on that travel experience. So there's a risk either way. So I think my, my perception of risk is, has always been very different. And same with these adventure sports. Everyone mm -hmm. look from the outside, I think, thinks I'm an adrenaline junkie or thinks I'm, I'm an, some sort of crazy rock climber. And I'm like, no, everything I do is pretty dialed in. There's, there's certainly still risks. Most of the things are, there's pretty easy ways to, to mitigate that. Um, so it's, it's finding that sweet spot. It's like, well, how can you stay in your swim lane, but also have room to go with the current because I'm a big fan um, if it's something that's interesting as opposed to trying to blaze your own path, unless it's something, of course, you're just absolutely in love with. But most people don't know what that is. And I certainly don't either. I'm still very much like, I don't know what Justin one year or two years is going to be, but I'm enjoying what I'm learning now. And if I meet someone along the way that just steers me a little bit this way, I'll mm -hmm. probably jump into that lane. But a lot of it, I think, is also just learning to say no, because you're, you know, you are convicted. And I remember meeting this one investor, and I'm blanking on his name. Um, his firm is called like Sendena Capital or something. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But I remember him getting on the call with me and my boss, and he was so straightforward. He was like, hey, I'm not interested in investing in your fund at all. Like, I, I will never do that. But I wanted to take this call. And he took the call with us. And I'm like, why did you take the call? Then he's like, oh, I just wanted to chat, hear what you're thinking about. I'll share some of mine. And hearing this this guy's strategy of how he invests, and I won't bore the audience with it, but he was just so convicted in his choices mm -hmm. that he said, this is my strategy. There's plenty of other shiny technology companies out there, but this is what I know. This is what has consistently returned my investors big return. And I was like, wow, it sounds so simple, but I was amazed at how he was able to just be so forthright with saying, no, I'm not interested in your fund. It's nothing personal. It's just, it doesn't fit my thesis. And I stick to my thesis. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And he had the track record to be like, that worked. And it, it's worked for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, okay, there's a skill there again. I got to learn this. You know? Right. So That's really neat. I think my whole life philosophy has been every time I, I do something that I'm not sure about, it usually, when it ends up for the better, I try to really remind myself that like, hey, seven days ago, you thought that was going to be a really bad idea. So I just like kind of really compartmentalize that for the next time I think something's a bad idea. I can be like, well, you wouldn't be in Puerto Rico if you listened to your, your intuition before. So, mm -hmm. you know, is this a good choice? Like, let's really think through. So, and yeah. you may not struggle with this, Justin, but I know a lot of people struggle with saying no and not yeah. wanting to maybe even offend other people or wanting to be wrong or anything like that. But I mean, if you do struggle with saying no, please share more on that. But how do you maintain personal boundaries for yourself? And saying, you know, and kind of making it clear, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm not doing. This is 
my lane. This is not my lane. This is what feels right. This is, this doesn't feel right. Sure. So I am very conflicted on this topic because I don't have a, a, a good answer. And I struggle with saying no. I, so I try to get better at saying no within very specific domains with my investments and my, and my interest there. I, I know how to say no now. And that took me a while. And I, I've had to learn from a lot of people and I've had to make bad investments to, to do it too, which is painful. Um, one area that I haven't mastered is saying no to good people. Um, it's so easy to find someone in your life who's a good friend or a good colleague, but you simply just don't have the time. For and it's really sad when those situations happen, but you, you're going one way and you just have to be, you have to say no, and you have to find out how you say no. And that's, again, another one I haven't mastered. But overall, I would probably say it's just been consistent practice at taking on things and tr just trying it out, trying it out and seeing what happens. And uh, so far, I've been slowly kind of getting better at this. And I just try to keep, I try to find people I feel safe around. And I just try to try to vocalize, you know, that opinion of, of you know, rejecting an idea or rejecting an, a thing to do for that day. And you just got to work on it. And you have to be honest with the person across the table and being, and if you're, if you say something that's really bad or, or reject somebody in a certain way, I mean, just be honest. You're like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I just, I didn't know how to be, you know, completely honest. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it's just, I think, reminding yourself that you're human uh, and that the other person across the table probably also um, doesn't know how to do this either. Like you're both suffering from the same thing. So if you're not talking about that, you're instantly going to have conflict. Um, but that's a lifelong goal and I don't have a mastered it. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like you approach this in my opinion, again, the same way you approach everything, like you said, you're practicing and you get better each time, just like you approach everything else. So yeah. you're really consistent in that. I don't know if you notice it yourself, but just <laughs> me on the outside, I, I love that so much about you and your how you approach life in general. So, um, But eventually, I think it goes back to that. You take the first step and you take the second step. And then you, all of a sudden you're taking four, then eight, then 16. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm good at this. And I actually like being good at this. And that it's a weird moment when you, when you realize that. And it kind of going back to the cooking, I, I remember when I was at this restaurant a few days ago and I was like, fascinated by what was in my meal and I'm like whoa no Justin ever in history ever looked at their dinner and part you know tried to piece apart the ingredients and thought about how they could make this like that was never in my wheelhouse so you just kind of you get there and you don't even know how you got there it's like whoa the the comment of incremental progress reminds me of uh, James Clear in his book Atomic Habits how you need to, even if it's like 1% in the right direction, you need to go in that direction. He said, you're never, you're never in a neutral zone. You're either digressing or progressing. So even if you can make a tiny, tiny bit of progress, do it because it's like that compound effect, that exponential growth happens from even just a tiny bit in the right direction. So many things this year, like the, the going after the Spanish classes and these outdoor hobbies and these jobs, they were things that I think two years ago, I would have been like, I'm not capable of that. And now it's like, I actually generally enjoy it. And I still hit pitfalls along the way, but now I'm, I'm actually learning to like the, the process, which sounds so cliche. And I heard that on every video in high school of like, you got to learn to love the process. And I'm like, I think the disconnect is that you're too, everyone comes at that from a different angle. So there's no secret sauce to just getting to that mindset. Yeah. But if you know, you're not in that mindset, you know, you're doing something wrong. So it's like, just try something different. Go talk to a friend that you think is doing it or go talk, you know, just try something. I, you've touched on a lot today. Um, <laughs> so I want to, in, in closing, thank you again so much for all your tidbits of wisdom for the listeners and for Janice and I. Um, what is what 
if one piece of advice that you'd like to leave with our listeners? I'm actually, there's so many, but I actually would probably end with is recognizing your weaknesses and just solving them. I, I, to me, I had the same issue where I was also having trouble with doing certain hobbies because I wasn't accountable. And then I was like, okay, well, if you're not, if you're not accountable, just find a friend and then you'll be accountable. Like this is an easy problem to solve, but you're, you're stuck in the insecurity of, of not having an accountability. And that's like, why just go find a friend. Life's hard, find someone and do it with them. Like, great. That was like an eye opening moment for me. And it's so simple. So I would like, like, I don't know if there's a single tidbit there, but it really is like, you're not, you're not any problem you think you have, someone else has the same problem. And that has been truth to me every time. And if you, if you really want to test that, if you ever have a, like a question you're struggling with, literally go to Google, type Reddit in, and then type your question. And I guarantee you, you will find somebody on Quora or Reddit. I, I said Reddit there, but you could do the same thing with Quora or any forum. You will find someone who's asked almost the same flavor of question as you. And you will find a, a log of people who've all experienced it and are actively trying to help. You might not have the answer you need, but you'll quickly learn that there's very few problems that you encounter that haven't probably already been solved. Um, it might mm -hmm. take a, a little bit to get there, but there's a path to that success and many have taken it and they've come at it from all different ways. So you might not know which path to take, but just start trying things and you'll eventually mm -hmm. figure it out. Again, it's crazy how good your mind is, is eventually coming to terms with something when you really get into the thick of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me that there's nothing new under the sun and it, it helps to keep things in perspective when you remind yourself, hey, like it, it, this seems like a really big deal to me, but it's probably not really a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Is this really going to matter in five years? For example, no, I probably won't ever remember. And you, um, so thank you so much, Justin, uh, for being with us. And I look forward to hearing about your adventures to Ecuador and send us some pictures of you visiting the, the awesome foundation project that you sponsored um, with the recycling plant. That's really, and we'll probably have, uh, I'm sure a, a load of other stories for you to share with us six months from now. <laughs> so we'll have to check, uh, check up on you. Man, great reminder of just the power of positive thinking. And we didn't really specifically mention fixed mindset versus growth mindset. But I think Justin obviously embodies a growth mindset with constantly improving and being willing to take those risks and challenges because he knows that's where growth happens. And it's, you know, challenging me also to remember it does matter who you have in your, in your journey with you, um, walking alongside you. There are people that can pull you in the wrong direction. So it's, it's kind of, but it starts of course, with your own thoughts um, and with your own desires and pursuing that in a way that like you were asking, Justin, how do you, how do you put those blinders on and not get distracted by some, you know, naysayers or people, peer pressure around you, pulling you in the wrong direction. You really have to be focused and know what you want. And, and that's like what being fully aligned looks like is you're able to pursue that path without getting distracted. Yeah, totally agree. And for me, like I, I said so many times throughout the interview, the main thing I love about Justin's approach to everything is keeping it simple. I love how he doesn't overthink and I love how he doesn't beat himself up. And I think a lot of times we can't help it, but we do beat ourselves up a lot. Sometimes if we don't always succeed the way we thought we should have succeed, we sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. We are our own worst critic. And I think that same 
self-criticism can actually cripple us from continuing or even being successful. Another thing is it kind of shifted my mindset where it's allowing me to normalize mistakes. It's allowing me to normalize that I won't get it right. Yeah, it's allowing me to normalize that I won't get it right right away. And that's okay. Justin really helped me to embrace it more and to, to expect it. So I won't be so thrown off or so discouraged or so taken back when things don't work out. And I think that's also just a, a part of maturity as well. I was just going to say the exact same yeah, thing. It comes totally. with age. It comes with maturity. Definitely a part of, of maturing. And again, just like Justin says, once you start, you, you can't help but mature. As time goes, just like anything, you'll mature and on your path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, the last thing I want to mention with Justin is that he seems to be super self-aware and he also mentioned reflection. And I love that as well, because I feel like personal alignment is synonymous with the relationship we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he seems really in tune with himself and he seems super totally. self-reflective and really self-aware. And he also has those personal boundaries. So he just tied it all really nicely um, and to show us how he's actively living out personal alignment. But like you were saying, Lisa, it's, it starts with him mentally um, with just those things that I've just mentioned, the way he approaches it, his thinking and his philosophy. So super refreshing, very inspired by Justin today. Thank you guys again for joining us. Um, don't forget we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM. And if you would like to leave a review or share with a friend, we would definitely appreciate it. We are going to conclude this episode and we want you listeners to remember a life fully aligned is a life fully lived. And until next time, we will continue the conversation.